Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz trombonist Jennifer Wharton on the 2023 CD, Grit & Grace. On this third album with Bonegasm, she assembled a wonderful group of musicians to make another evolved and memorable release. We cover this album, Getting Through COVID, The Future Beyond, and so much more. Enjoy. Jennifer, it's great to see you. Thank you for taking a minute out to talk about the new album and surviving this weird pandemic we went through and everything in between. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's begin with that. Let's begin with, before we get into Grit and Grace, I want to know, how did you survive the last three and a half years? It did quite (laughs) its thing on the world of musicians. And (laughs) along with surviving it, how did it change you? Uh, Well, I'm a person that when I'm stressed out, I give myself stuff to do. Um, to make myself stressed out about other things. <laughs> so um, actually, I made a whole record in the pandemic, um, not Grit and Grace. It was uh, our second album called Not a Novelty. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept the band going. We rehearsed virtually, so we would send tracks around. Um, and that's how we rehearsed for the entire album. I think we played one or two outdoor gigs. And... Um, Yeah, it really gave me something else to focus on rather than the um, all-consuming darkness. (laughs) Um, But the the band overall, I mean, even, you know, coming out of the pandemic when work started happening and and right now I'm back doing Broadway and uh, I haven't had COVID knock on wood since June. (laughs) Okay, all right. So uh, it's, it's given me... Uh, well, let me put it this way. It's easy for uh, a freelance musician to become very dark. Um, you're always waiting for someone else to call you. You're always waiting for, you know, more gigs. It's not really sure you can kind of move up in the level of gigs that you do, but it's either you're working or you're not. Yeah. And um, with my band, it gave me like a sense of purpose and peace and drive that I thought I'd never find again uh, in music. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how I survived. I mean, having something to focus on really helped. Yeah, for sure. So talk to me about grit and grace. How did you artistically construct this new album? So I, um, Looking at the band and looking at kind of who I am in the world of my very small corner of the world of music, I was interested in in how I could be a better ally to my, you know, other female musicians. My band is entirely dudes, and which is not foreign to me. That has happened a lot throughout my career. So um, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to commission women. And for the first time, I actually contributed music as well. Um, I didn't feel like I had much to say prior to this. And even the ideas I did have, I didn't really know how to put on paper. Um, but in the pandemic, I got my master's in jazz and, and started um, doing some composition. So it really helped me get to a place where I feel like I could say something of worth. And um, yeah, I just started reaching out to uh, several people I've known. Miho Hazama I've known for a while. Nadia Nordhaus I've known for a long time. Um, Carolina Calvace, I'd met a few years ago, but completely forgot about, <laughs> um, and, uh, Natalie Cressman, I've known for a long time. The only person I didn't know, and I found in the pandemic through social media was Vanessa Perica. 
and um she's phenomenal she has a brand new album out as well if if anyone i can't remember the name of it but it's a great uh she's got a, a big band out there and big band writers tend to know more what to do with four trombones than um people that aren't but um it was once i heard her music it was a, a very easy decision to ask her to um participate so the one thing about this time is that musicians got operated off ideas that have either been lying around or new ideas came about because of what we lived through. Mm -hmm. Was this kind of an outgrowth of that I, that notion of having more time to consider what you're doing and how you're doing it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there was a big push uh, during the pandemic um, for more equity. Um and because I, I live in that world, I live in the, in the Broadway pit scene, and I've been very fortunate, very lucky to have worked as much as I have, but there were a lot of people, a lot of demographics that, you know, weren't getting called. And it's a very insular community. It can be. Yeah. Um, much less here than in other areas that I've been, but, um, you know, it, it would always seem that people would hire a more diverse band when the show was dealing with a more diverse topic. But in the pandemic specifically, a few organizations were founded that really brought to light kind of um, our gray areas, our blind spots, if you will. And many contractors and band leaders, and they wanted to know where their blind spots were. So I was getting contacted all the time. Well, who should I know? And I'm like, okay, well, you should know this person, this person, this person, this person is coming up, maybe, you know, have them sub on something or, you know, it was kind of like different levels, but you never want to throw someone who's unprepared into a scene like that because they'll never work again in that scene if they don't, you know, if they're not prepared. So that was happening and it kind of made me question, okay, if I am uh, this person that people that move to New York contact and say, you know, how did you survive being female in the business or you know, someone at a college that is dealing with um, some harassment or, or just unfair treatment. If I'm going to be that person, I have to be that person in every aspect. You know, I can't just do it like with my words, I have to do it with my actions. And so that, that really informed just the whole process for the third album. So as usual, it's, I really enjoyed this album and I'm curious, what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Uh, well, the biggest compliment I've ever received is that they forgot it was all trombone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the trombone is, it's a silly instrument. <laughs> what okay. I do for a living and you know, I, I, it's sometimes I just sit around and go, I just blow hot air into metal tubes. That's all I do. You know, my, my whole, uh, it's lips and lungs. That's, that's all. I, okay. The brain. Yes. A little bit, but, um, um, and then I, I look at, you know, my colleagues, uh, my sometime colleagues that are in these major orchestras and that's literally all we do. What we do is kind of dumb, but when you put it together, when you, when you package it up nicely, when you, when you say something musically, creatively, it's valid. And um, I want to introduce more people to the possibility that this, you know, kind of silly instrument can be 
a serious contender in terms of like new music and new jazz. Um, uh, you know, even me who I'm probably the least experienced improviser in my band, but my husband always said, John Petchuk, my amazing first husband and, and only husband, but he's my favorite. Um, he said, you know, if you can play something beautiful, it's valid. And that has been such a game changer for me, who was always afraid to kind of dip my toe into that. Um, so it, I really try and, and hope, I, I hope that that comes through is that if this is beautiful, if this is touching you in any way, like who cares if it's all trombone? Right. So I guess my other question is this, you know, we, we talked about the pandemic and how you got through it. And that was obviously a huge crutch for the music industry, but it also has provided strength and new directions coming out of New York, kind of the cauldron, the, the hot belly of just culture and music. How strong do you see the jazz community right now in December of 2023? It's been very odd because Man, I, I do a ton of big band. And this year has been the least big band I think I've played since I moved to New York. Wow. Uh, so I, I don't know if people are regrouping or maybe there's big bands happening that I'm not involved in. I did. I couldn't take every big band gig that came my way this year. But, um, you know, that that seems like it's missing. So that could be a byproduct of, yeah, a lot of people weren't making a ton of money for this this while. And, and uh, big band is uh, not... Um, it's not cost effective. <laughs> so I'm wondering if they're just regrouping and next year is going to be, you know, a blowout. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of the bands I work with have done stuff like Darcy, James argue just released another album this year. It got nominated for Grammy and uh, Remy LaBeouf's albums coming out in March, which we recorded during the pandemic. I actually got COVID during the recording session. <laughs> I had to overdub my parts <laughs> um, a couple of oh, no. weeks. Later. Yeah. So, um, you know, stuff is happening. It just doesn't seem like it's happening as much. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't live in the sort of world that most jazz musicians live in, you know, the, the smaller groups, the, the going to smalls all the time, going to the Vanguard all the time. You know, I am, I make most of my money in a Broadway pit. So I'm working when everybody's playing. So when I play with my band, I got to take off work. Um, you know, make sure it's, it's hard. It's, it's a hard job to do like the getting of the gigs and convincing people that we have a following and, and that, you know, the music is, is worthwhile, especially with, with a name so suggestive as, as Bonegasm. But I knew what I was doing when I, when I created the band. So I'm kind of like unapologetic. This, uh, this band, while it brings me great joy, is not going to make or break my career that pays most of my bills at the time, yeah. at, right, at this current moment. So I feel like I'm a little, uh, um, I'm, I'm able to do like stuff that maybe people who were concerned more with, uh, you know, propriety uh, would not do like naming a band Bonegasm. You know, I kind of don't care if someone doesn't like it or is offended by it. So I just yeah. say the band is not for you. <laughs> well, but the thing about it is, is that, you know, you have kind of a creative liberty to do what you want to do. I mean, you genuinely are doing exactly what you want. You don't have anybody glowering and telling you you need to do things a certain way. It's all you and it's all how you want to do it, which is why, you know, you have a new band this time around and all of that, that has to feel good. Yeah. It's, it, um, it is so freeing. And I've, 
because I was in, I was in a really dark place when I formed the band and it, I formed it for a few reasons. There was like a, a, a few reasons, like Alan Ferber wrote this tune that I fell in love with. It's on our first album. It's called North Rampart. It's on two of his other albums too. Um, but it, it was the first time I fell in love with a tune and wanted to learn how to improvise on it. And at the same time, these people were, these bass Ramon players were moving to New York and could improvise. And I was like, oh crap, I missed the boat. My career is over. I missed the boat. Um, and I was talking to Ingrid Jensen about it. And she said, you need something of your own. And she was right. It took me a few years. I mean, that conversation happened probably three years before I formed the band. But um, it was a gig that I was on with my husband uh, for our instrument company and um, he had written several arrangements for four trombones. There were four of us playing this instrument and um, I was like, this is exactly what I want. This is going to be the format. And um, yeah, it's, it's been very thrilling, um, daunting. Uh, everything rides on me. So, um, and, and as a byproduct on my husband, cause he's been the producer for the three albums Um but it's it's been so much fun. And he's been such a supporter. He loves watching me get into doing all this because he's been doing it for so long. He just he's he's tickled. So what about live shows? What's coming up for you as we kind of close the year out and enter a new one? What's going on on that front? Yeah, so we, we've done um, more this year than we've ever done. It was a very busy year. Um, next year, I'm not exactly sure what's on tap. I've applied to a lot of jazz festivals. I have um, got some feelers out um, in terms of uh, uh, like performances at some schools and stuff. Uh, we are definitely going to the Jazz Education Network Conference in New Orleans. I'm taking the whole band. Um, speaking about not cost effective, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to go down there, especially because the last tune on my album on grit and grace is about a restaurant in new Orleans. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm hope hopefully going to take the whole band to that restaurant coops on Decatur. It's amazing. Nice. And, um, yeah, and I'm going to bring some of the music. I'm doing a um, trombone recital at a Southern California trombone day at Mount Sac. Uh, Mount, I think it's Mount San Antonio College. And um, so I'll be doing half of it with um, kind of a, an ad hoc bonegasm, but half of it will be bonegasm music. And um, yeah, I, we're going to see what happens. I mean, there's going to be a few gigs in New York at least, but I'm just trying to see how it shakes out. There's an, a couple other uh, pots on the stove for me uh, in terms of scheduling. So it does, it does cut into my uh, band scheduling, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful we'll have a great year. So Grit and Grace is the brand new album. Where can people, the best place to pick it up, learn about these live shows, anything going on in your world, where can they go? Okay, so I've got a website, jenniferwharton.com. That's Wharton spelled like Wharton School of Business. Uh, you can also go to bonegasm.com. You'll find everything there. I've got a shop there. That's probably going to be the most or the least cost effective for you. But uh, if you're going to stream, if you're a streamer, Apple Music pays the most of the artists. So I highly recommend that. Spotify pay pays the least. Um, I'm sure it's easy for you, but if you find us on Spotify, please, uh, if you like the music, buy it. Not just us, any artists. Um, Spotify pays four cents per thousand stream. So I think Peter Frampton said he had 5.7 million streams and he made $1,700. So um, that is not a good way to support artists. 
It's a good way to find music, but not a good way to support artists. So anybody that's interested in the music, buy the music, go to the shows, buy merch. I've got a ton of merch. I've got a shirt that says, ask me about my sack butt. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so all of that stuff uh, is a good way, not just not just us, but, but any artist you love. So um, yeah, you know, put your money where your love is. Absolutely. Jennifer, this has been great. We made it through. Everything's good. So best of luck with everything and enjoy the holidays. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in New York City, Kansas City and spots everywhere around the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Jennifer for coming back to the show for time and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.